0: President Donald Trump, in collaboration with the Justice Department, recently labeled New York City as an anarchist jurisdiction, saying the city has, quote, permitted violence and destruction of property to persist and refused to undertake reasonable measures to counteract criminal activities. In announcing the designation, the Justice Department cited New York City Council's recent reduction of a billion dollars from the NYPD's budget as evidence of efforts to undermine the rule of law. Though many New York City politicians were quick to dismiss the designation as a cheap political stunt, a recent poll from the Pew Research Center reveals nearly 6 in 10 registered voters across the country say violent crime is very important to how they decide to cast their ballots in November. Welcome to Bronx Connections Election 2020, Local Lens. I'm Nora Thomas, reporter and anchor at WFUV. That's the NPR affiliate station based on the Rose Hill campus of Fordham University in the Bronx. This is the second episode in a five-part series covering issues in the 2020 presidential election that will affect the Bronx. It's a joint initiative between WFUV, BronxNet, and Norwood News. With Election Day fast approaching, the two presidential candidates have chosen to address Americans' apprehensions about crime and criminal justice in very different ways. President Trump is emphasizing the need for more police presence in cities, saying Democrats aren't allowing the police to do their job. Now, the problem is that in Democrat, usually liberal Democrat run cities, we have tremendous problems. The top 10 10- most unsafe cities are run by democrats you go into the top 25 and top 35 almost every one of them is run by democrats no cash bail uh just weak policies on crime we have to give the police the respect that they deserve and we have to give them their mojo we we have to let them protect us Former Vice President Joe Biden, on the other hand, is emphasizing the need for criminal justice reforms, along with social programs aiming to increase educational opportunities and mental health and substance disorder services. He's also suggested the real source of violence in America's cities has been instigated by the president's inflammatory rhetoric. This president long ago forfeited any moral leadership in this country. He can't stop the violence because for years he's fomented it. You may believe Mouthing the words, law and order, makes him strong. But his failure to call on his own supporters to stop acting as an armed militia in this country shows how weak he is. These are not images of some imagined Joe Biden America in the future. These are images of Donald Trump's America today. The major party candidates have identified two radically different sources of violent crime. The president says Democrats have tipped away at police power, emboldening criminals. On his campaign page, Biden identifies sexual abuse, a failing public education system, and mental health or substance abuse struggles as the primary causes of contemporary crime. The candidates have differing visions for how the federal government should work to mitigate crime in places like the Bronx. President Trump supports increased police spending and sending more federal agents to help maintain peace, while Biden advocates increased spending for welfare programs. Melody Jimenez founded No Voice Unheard to build community networks to reduce gun, gang, and street violence. She thinks the coronavirus pandemic has put the Bronx in a particularly tough situation regarding crime. Jimenez says while people should hold the police accountable for acts of violence, protests have started to disrupt officers' ability to do their jobs.
1: I feel that the president is just trying to strive for law and order. During this pandemic, we've had a lot of looting and a lot of protests. And um, I do agree with the slogan and the agenda in the beginning of, of Black Lives Matter. But at this moment, I do feel like there's a lot of hatred that's being portrayed. And if, you know, changes to come about, we need to do it with policy and not riot the way that riots are happening. Here's my interview
0: with Melody from
1: No Voice Unheard.
0: Is conversation about crime something that you think people in the Bronx are tuned into when they're considering each candidate?
1: I don't think so, but I think this year it will be a highlight due to all the violence that's occurred within this past year. And I think it's important that many do pay attention to the crime in their in their neighborhood. Because if we do speak up more and we do engage with NYPD, we do go to town hall meetings and we do go to board meetings, it would make a change in our community. But the silent silent voice will never be heard. So it's important that we do speak up, especially towards crime, because it'll keep our children safer and the elderly safer as well.
0: Is there anything you think the federal government can or should do in New York City related to minimizing crime?
1: I think that New York City should allow the patrolling officers to engage with the community more, for people to know exactly what officers are patrolling their areas, to create that connection. You know, I think that's a start, and it's the best start, introduction.
0: What's something that you would like to hear from a presidential candidate or anyone running for national office? I would like them to
1: say that humanity matters, that everyone matters, that your voice matters, and that we should be treated as we should be all equal. It should never be one greater than the other, because at the end of the day, we all believe the same, and inequality is unfair to anyone.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add related to crime and the national election?
1: I would like to say to Trump, you know, as a human being, sometimes you have to think and have compassion and understand when you offend someone and take the time to say, you know what? I was wrong. I rewarded it incorrectly. This is what I mean. That's the best way to be, to be transparent and to take accountability for your wrongs, you know. Sometimes, you know, people change. You know, sometimes like a pandemic might have changed who he, he wants to be in the next four years, you know? I mean I'm open to give opportunity and to give second chances to people if they're willing to put in the work. And, you know, I think he needs to really understand what it is to be from poverty, what it is to come from that, you know? And sometimes you have to put your feet in the dirt to get that feeling. And maybe if he comes to the Bronx or maybe anywhere within New York City, the five boroughs, he gets a taste of what it really is. He'll probably feel different. So that's my suggestion to him.
0: Would you say then you care more about tone necessarily than specific policy issues?
1: Well, in life, it, it depends your delivery on everything. Um, you know, and that's what's important, your delivery and your approach. That's why they say first impression is always best. And you needs to understand that as a leader, you need to prepare and speak with the most passion in your heart for the people that you're serving because we're looking up to you as a leader. So no one wants to feel any bias looking at our leader.
0: Thank you, Melody, for your time. Thank you, I appreciate it. That was Melody Jimenez, founder of No Voice Unheard. Bronx Councilmember Richie Torres acknowledges crime statistics are rising, but he says this is partly due to what appears to be a work slowdown on the part of the NYPD.
2: Fewer guns arrested, fewer gun cases solved, slower response times. These are signs of a possible work slowdown. You know, Occam's razor holds that the simplest explanation is almost always the best and the dramatic increase in gun violence can be best explained by the dramatic decrease in gun enforcement.
0: Torres is the chair of the Oversight and Investigations Committee in the City Council. He and Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams have called for an investigation into whether there's been a slowdown. But Torres believes the Bronx will become safer by investing in social programs that work to prevent crime from occurring in the first place. In our interview, Torres says the president's comments about the city being dangerous are a political stunt to defund the welfare services New York City residents depend on. So, I mean, just first off, President Trump and the Judicial Department have now officially designated New York City as an anarchist jurisdiction, and the president has frequently referred to rise in violent crime as a consequence of what happens when Democrats are in charge. Sentiments have been reiterated by former Mayor Rudy Giuliani, as well as leaders from the NYPD unions. Do you think these statements have even applied to the Bronx? Do, Do you feel like your constituents feel less safe than they used to?
2: a lawless and disordered president is in no position to lecture New York City on law and order. Um, The designation of New York City as an anarchist jurisdiction should be seen as nothing more than a political ploy to sabotage the city. The city of New York is teetering on the brink. Uh, There are more than 20,000 public employees who are at risk of losing their jobs. Institutions like the public transit system, the MTA, is collapsing under the weight of of an ever-deepening fiscal crisis. So there's a desperate need for an infusion of federal funding. Only the federal government can run a deficit and only the federal government is in a position to bring relief to state and local governments. And instead of supporting New York City, Donald Trump is intent on sabotaging us, right? His message is simple, drop dead. So the greatest act of anarchy in the United States is the lack of leadership from the White House itself.
0: So would you say he is using certain statistics as political rhetoric to focus things on things more in line with his agenda than perhaps what New York City needs?
2: There's nothing in New York City that remotely resembles anarchy right if if you want to know what anarchy looks like, go to a state like Somalia, which is a failed state. Um, There's nothing in New York City. New York City is a functioning city. We are struggling with fiscal crises uh, because of a lack of support from the federal government because we had a -a once-in-a-century event, like the outbreak of COVID-19, bring the whole economy to a grinding halt. That is the root cause of our financial struggles. And instead of being part of the solution, Donald Trump continues to be part of the problem.
0: What do you think of recent endeavors to bring federal agents into working with local police precincts?
2: Donald Trump is using the power of the federal government to advance his reelection, which to me is profoundly corrupt. unethical. There should be a a strict separation of politics and government. You know, he's making law enforcement decisions based on what's best for his political campaign. You know, he wants to create an apocalyptic narrative of America in general, and New York City in particular, that is out of touch with reality. The number of murders in New York City remains at historic lows. There's somewhere in the range of 300 murders in New York City. Uh, in 1990, when I was two years old, there were more than 2,000 murders at City. So if you view the public safety picture historically, then you'll realize that, that you know, has there been a spike in violence? Yes. But it, it hardly rises to the level of the apocalypse. It hardly comports with the narrative that Donald Trump has selling to the public.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Do you think there's any justification in the right criticizing Democrats for being silent about crime?
2: I'm not aware of Democrats who are silent on crime. I mean, I've spoken about the outbreak of gun violence. I've spoken about the summertime surge in shootings. Both the number of shooting incidents and the shooting victims have all but doubled. But part of the problem is that in America, there are too many guns and there's too much access to those guns. And the greatest stumbling block to gun safety legislation is the Republican Party, right? We can enact the strongest gun laws at the local and state level. But if you can transfer a gun from a Walmart in Alabama to New York City, it defeats the purpose of gun safety at the local level. So there's no substitute for gun safety legislation at the national level. And the greatest stumbling block is the Republican Party.
0: From my understanding, it sounds like the president is critiquing both the supposed presence of violent protest and anarchist activity, um, but also recent bail reforms, which perhaps that has been more the angle of the NYPD, who have been criticizing certain policies. Do you think either of them are fair points of criticism?
2: Evidence matters. There's no evidence that bail reform has led to more violence in New York City. Bail reform has been in place since january and we did not begin to see a spike in violent crime until the outbreak of the coronavirus and i mean i would argue that the the spike in violence is best explained by policing right we saw an outbreak of shootings in new york city of gun violence in new york city and that outbreak unfolded against the backdrop of the nypd making far fewer gun arrests solving far fewer gun cases responding more solely to gun crimes and progress. Um, so I think a powerful case could be made that the increase in gun violence can be best explained by a decrease in in gun enforcement.
0: In that vein, a couple of weeks ago, you and the Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams called for an investigation into what you say is a widespread work slowdown being conducted by the NYPD. Have, have any investigations begun?
2: We, we have called upon DOI to conduct an investigation, and DOI's practice is to conduct the investigation confidentially. DOI does not reveal the existence or finding of an investigation until it's complete.
0: Do you feel reasonably optimistic that it is occurring?
2: Uh, it's purely speculative. I mean, I suspect it is occurring because the request came from me and, you know, who chairs the committee that oversees the Department of Investigation. Um, do I know for sure or no?
0: What do you think of the fact that police unions have come out and publicly endorsed President Trump?
2: The, the police unions are unrepresentative of New York City. And the police unions have no respect for communities of color. I mean, what possible justification exists for endorsing a president who has made a career out of demonizing people of color, trafficking and bigotry in every form. You know, And if you examine the leadership of the police unions, the results are revealing. Right? More than 90% of the leaders in the PBA, the Police Benevolent Association, are white males. More than 70% are Republican. More than half live outside the city of New York. It's hard to imagine an institution less representative of New York City in all its diversity than the Police Benevolent Association.
0: What do you think the federal government should be doing to implement effective crime policies? Um, And what what, what do you hope to see specifically in the Bronx?
2: The federal government should provide more resources to state and local governments. if, if the city collapses, if there's a collapse in public services, then that's going to contribute to more violence in New York City. Uh, and we need funding to invest in alternatives to policing, right? There are models like Cure violence that recruit former gang members to function as violence interrupters, and those violence interrupters reach out to at-risk youth in the hopes of steering them away from gang membership and telling them do not make the same mistake that I did. Do not, you know, ruin your life, you're one bullet away, you're one mistake away from languishing in prison for the rest of your life. And that kind of face-to-face individualized outreach has been shown to be effective at reducing gut violence. So we should build on alternatives to policing like pure violence.
0: And does that involve, in your opinion, efforts to actively defund the police so as to better fund other services?
2: Uh, it depends on what you mean by defund the police. Some people mean abolishing the police, some people mean simply cutting the NYPD's budget. Uh, I do believe there should be a reimagination of public safety in our society. And we have to rethink the notion that the police should be the default response to every problem like we need to sh- civilianize our response to substance abuse and homelessness and in some cases even violence
0: what is something you'd like any presidential candidate now or in the future to say related to crime and criminal justice reform that that would lunge that would pique your interest and and give give them credibility in your eyes
2: there's a need to bring greater accountability to policing in America. You know, all decent people would condemn a civilian who does violence to officers. And all decent people would condemn officers who do unjustified violence to civilians. But here's the problem. A civilian who does violence to an officer will be held accountable. But an officer who does violence to a civilian, particularly a civilian of color, is rarely held accountable. And therein lies the double standard that has the legitimacy of our criminal justice system crumbling in the eyes of the public, especially members of millennial generation and Generation Z. And so we have to end the double standard in policing. And the lack of accountability comes from two sources. One is law, and one is culture. The legal doctrine of qualified immunity is essentially a license to brutalize black and brown lives with impunity. And then within police departments like the NYPD, there's a culture of impunity, right? Take as an example, the, there was a situation in Buffalo where two officers shoved a senior citizen to the ground and those two officers under public pressure were suspended right, nearly 50 officers who were part of their unit resigned to show solidarity with the two officers who had abused their power. That tells me that it's not simply a few bad apples, that there is a culture of impunity, a blue wall of silence that enables police misconduct. And so we have to not only overturn the doctrine of qualified immunity, we have to break, the culture of, of, of impunity, the blue law of
0: Is there anything you think Bronx residents should consider in casting their ballots in November uh, related to discourse on law and order that either is part of yeah. things people are already talking about or maybe isn't?
2: There's no greater threat to law and order than Donald Trump. He has driven disorder in America. He has consistently broken the law. Um, if, if If you want a president who's going to govern according to the rule of law, who's going to represent everyone transparently and accountably, it's Joe Biden, without question.
0: Thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you'd like to add?
2: The 2020 election is the most consequential of our lifetime. Everything is at stake, the social contract, our planet, our democracy, the future of America. Um, Four more years of Donald Trump is too terrifying to imagine. And we need uh, a new president who's going to end um, the nightmare that is the presidency of Donald Trump.
0: All right, thank you again. Please take care. As the lead-up to Election Day continues, there's bound to be a fair amount of strong rhetoric tossed out by both presidential candidates, but accusations aside, the partisan divide on addressing crime appears to be rooted in the right's desire to maintain and invest in police agencies and the left's desire to expand welfare programs. Join us next week when WFUV reporter Elliot Schiaparelli will discuss health and healthcare in the Bronx. Special thank you to Melody Jimenez from No Voice Unheard and Councilmember Richie Torres for joining us. Thanks also to Sheila Maloney from Norwood News, Luis Rebolledo and Michael Maxnavi and everyone else at BronxNet, as well as George Budarki and Robin Shannon at WFUV. To read, watch, and listen to more from Bronx Connections, go to norwoodnews.org, wfuvnews.org, or bronxnet.org. I'm Nora Thomas. Thanks for watching.